Hey there, it's Monday, February 13th, 2023. We have got a lot of cannabis news coming up for you today, so get ready. The marijuana industry is constantly changing with new laws, rules, and regulations. You need to know what's happening. We keep you up to date by bringing you the latest information on the marijuana industry. So get ready, because this is the M News Now. The senators who support cannabis banking reform have not given up. They're still out there trying. The Democratic Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer of New York, has said that he and several other Democratic senators are trying to find their next path towards legalization. Democratic Senator Jeff Merkley told the news site The Hill, We're trying to find the formulation of Safe Banking Plus that can allow us to end this cash economy that's doing so much to hurt so many across the country. That group of senators who met to work on the next path to legalization did not include any Republican representatives. However, one Democratic senator who was in attendance, Cory Booker of New Jersey, said there are people in this new Congress now who support some form of reform legislation. And, he said, we're going to continue to work on it this Congress. Another one of the Democratic senators who was in attendance at that meeting, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, was also optimistic. He said, I think it's realistic and he emphasized that he knew so many different people and groups who want it. He also believes that the Republicans will get on board because all those in banking want this type of reform now. Brown said, the bankers want it. I bring up the bankers because that's what will move the Republicans. While many Americans are lucky enough to live in a state with some form of legalized marijuana use, not everyone is. There are still many states where cannabis is not legal in any form. Or perhaps it's only legal for a medical program, which often could be limited. So whether you live in one of those states or could travel to one, it's absolutely imperative for cannabis users to be aware of and obey local laws for cannabis use. Because simply using the plant in the wrong place could have terrible consequences. And one example of that happened earlier this month, when someone visited the state of Georgia. Georgia does not have a recreational program, but they do have a medical one. Unfortunately, though, it's a limited one, with a very low THC threshold of just 5%. There are also a few of the bigger cities in Georgia that have decriminalized it, but not everywhere in the state. One North Carolina man learned the hard way about Georgia's cannabis laws and their enforcement. Using a dab pen landed him in jail and lost him his car. The North Carolina man, Austin Banks, was in the city of Rincon, Georgia, which is just a short distance from Savannah. And on January 30th, 2023, he visited the Rincon, Georgia, Walmart. While there, an anonymous tipster contacted the police and complained that he was smoking weed from a dab pen in the Walmart parking lot. Police came, an arrest was made, charges filed, and assets were seized. Newsweek obtained the police report on the incident. That police report described Mr. Banks as having on him a vaporizer pen and what they called five amounts of dab which they said were able to all fit in the vaporizer's single-pen case. What they've described certainly sounds like it's a small amount for personal use. However, the police charged him with a felony, specifically intent to distribute. They took Mr. Banks to jail and seized his car. This is called asset forfeiture, and unfortunately, it's legal in most states. So, because he was smoking cannabis from a small vaporizer pen and had a small amount of the product with him for personal use, This man ended up being charged with a felony and lost his car permanently. That's a good warning for everyone that this is what could happen if you don't pay attention to and follow local jurisdiction rules on cannabis. 
This particular incident was actually brought to the public's attention by the Rincon Police Department themselves. Sadly, they thought this was all hilarious, and they're actually quite proud of this disproportionate punishment. The Rincon Police Department has their own Facebook page, and they posted about the incident on January 30th, and the post is still up right now. They wrote their post comedically, as if the whole thing were a funny joke. They said Mr. Banks was provided with, quote, transportation to a local Effingham County bed and breakfast, which is actually their jail. They also said that he had donated his car to the police department, which really means they seized it, and they mocked the fact that he had just bought the car in full one day prior to their arresting him. The Facebook post has so far received more than 5,000 comments on it, which is enormous compared to their usual post, which at best get just over 100 comments, and often just one or two. The vast majority of commenters were highly critical of the police department in this case. One of the critics mocked the police back, saying, Hey, look at us. We stole a car because of plants. While another commenter wrote, I don't think we can legally call ourselves a free country anymore. And many commenters also said that it was unbelievably unprofessional behavior to joke about stealing a man's car and putting him in jail for any reason, least of all for carrying a substance that's legal in many places. So until laws can be changed, cannabis users must pay attention to this unfortunate case and take it as a very serious warning. It shows how extremely important it is to follow local laws and cannabis possession and use, or face potential of a similar negative outcome. Raw rolling papers got in trouble. An Illinois court issued a verdict against HBI, the distributor of Raw and several other brands, saying that they engaged in unfair competition through their packaging and promotions. Specifically, the issue relates to advertising claims. There are actually several claims that HBI made which the court has now barred them from making any more, and the court is requiring them to change their packaging to remove the erroneous claims. The situation began with a lawsuit by a competing company, Republic Brands, who also make and distribute rolling papers. Republic Brands sued HBI International over what they said were false claims, and the federal court agreed. The United States District Court for the Northern District of Illinois issued a permanent injunction against HBI International, requiring them to immediately cease promoting, selling, distributing, shipping, or delivering products that contain statements which the court found to be untrue. The claims that they're barred from stating revolve around their alleged charity and the validity of claims on their organic hemp rolling papers. Raw and their parent company, HBI, may no longer make the following claims because these were found to be untrue. That they operate and contribute funds to a charitable entity that they referred to as Raw Foundation. That HBI, or owner Joshua Kesselman, invented rolling paper pre-rolled cones. That their organic hemp rolling papers are unrefined. That the adhesive is made with hemp. That they're made utilizing the center of the hemp stock. That they're the world's first or only organic rolling papers. Or that they're made from using wind power. They're also permanently barred from stating that their organic hemp rolling books, cones, and papers are made in Alcoy, Spain. And lastly, they're further barred from stating that their competing OCB organic hemp papers are knockoffs, or rawnabies, copies of fake versions of raw. Raw and HBI are now permanently barred from claiming any of these prior statements are true. The United States Attorney Office in the Northern District of New York State issued a press release detailing an elaborate multi-state and multi-year marijuana smuggling operation. The joint investigation was also helped by the U.S. Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives Division, the DEA, the Troy Police Department, and the Department of Homeland Security. 
In all, 24 defendants have been charged with marijuana distribution, money laundering, firearms, and related offenses in a 99-page indictment. The alleged events took place between at least 2016 and June 2022. The perpetrators shipped thousands of kilograms of marijuana, as well as some edibles, from a small shipping store in Fresno, California, and they were sent to locations throughout the United States, including the capital region of New York where these charges were filed. The marijuana was shipped in packages which were delivered by UPS and FedEx to recipients who would then take them to so-called knock spots, where they were then sold through a slot in a door. The proceeds from sales were then allegedly laundered through a variety of means, including money transfers, money orders, cashier's check, cash deposits into various bank accounts, and the direct transportation of cash, including nearly $180,000 worth of cash that was seized from one woman at the Albany International Airport. Some of the proceeds were also used on real estate transactions and property renovations. For example, one person purchased a house for just $9,000 in 2016, spent cash to do renovations, and then sold the property in 2020 for $250,000. This, of course, would then be clean laundered money. Items confiscated included $300,000 in cash and funds, several vehicles, over half a million dollars worth of jewelry and luxury items, and firearms that included large-caliber rifles, handguns, and ammunition. A Florida high court has said no to cannabis users having gun rights. But an Oklahoma court has now just ruled that they can. Current federal law bans anyone who uses cannabis, even medical patients, from owning firearms. And they face felony charges if they lie about their marijuana use on their federal firearm application. In the Florida case, the government was being sued to allow medical marijuana patients the right to buy and own firearms. The plaintiffs argued that the federal ban requires state legal medical marijuana cardholders to choose between their health and their Second Amendment right. Unfortunately, the Florida judge presiding over that case ruled against cannabis users having gun rights, saying, Florida's medical marijuana users are unlawful users of a controlled substance, so this law makes it a crime for them to possess firearms. The judge was referring to the Gun Control Act of 1968, which prohibits any unlawful user of a controlled substance from purchasing or possessing a firearm or ammunition. Because cannabis is still listed as a Schedule I controlled substance, the judge ruled that any cannabis user would be unlawful in the federal government's eyes, even if they're in compliance with a state law. That Florida case is currently being appealed. Over in Oklahoma, it's a different story. A judge there has just declared that banning cannabis users from owning guns is unconstitutional. The Oklahoma case stems from a traffic stop where police found a loaded revolver and marijuana inside of a car. Charges were brought against the man, and the case was brought before the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Oklahoma. Judge Patrick Wyrick heard arguments from both sides, but ultimately decided to dismiss the case against the man. He said that the federal statute which prohibits any unlawful user of a controlled substance from possessing firearms is, quote, unconstitutionally vague, in violation of the Due Process Clause, and unconstitutionally infringes upon his fundamental right to possess a firearm, in violation of the Second Amendment. The judge further called this ban concerning, and he cited the Second Amendment, which reads in part, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It's expected that the Department of Justice will most likely appeal that ruling. Over in Maryland, legislators there are also beginning to take action to protect Second Amendment rights. Their House Judiciary Committee are currently reviewing a bill from Republican sponsors which seeks to preserve gun rights for cannabis users. 
One of the bill's sponsors, Robin Grammer, said the existing policy puts average Marylanders in a bind. And while these state courts are trying to work out these cases, the whole problem could be solved by descheduling cannabis at the federal level. But since that still hasn't happened, the states have been attempting to pass these local legislative rules. In Washington, D.C., some lawmakers are trying to find another way to lift this ban. The late Republican representative from Arkansas, Don Young, introduced the Gun Rights and Marijuana Act, or Graham Act, in 2021, which would have ended the gun ban in legal marijuana states if it had passed. And unfortunately, it did not. Last year, other legislators in the U.S. Senate attempted to attach a trio of cannabis bills, including the Gun Rights and Marijuana Act, to the National Defense Authorization Act, but those two did not go through. Last month, the Republican U.S. Representative from West Virginia, Alex Mooney, reintroduced his Second Amendment Protection Act, which, if passed, would allow medical marijuana patients to purchase and possess firearms. In the past, that bill has not made it through, but there is a stronger possibility that it could going into this new Republican-led House. And that could be because of the Republican leader's strong desire to protect gun rights. And since this bill could be considered a gun bill rather than a cannabis bill, having the Republicans pass it is a possibility. One California lawmaker is trying to get cannabis lounges legalized throughout the state. These would be locations where patrons could consume their cannabis, along with food and beverages, something that's not currently allowed. Matt Haney, who's a member of the California State Assembly from the eastern portion of the San Francisco area, has just introduced new legislation, which hopes to make it easier for California cannabis dispensaries to sell food and beverages. Haney spoke about the economic opportunities that this could create for the state. He told news station KQED, If an authorized cannabis retail store wants to sell someone cannabis, a cup of tea, and a sandwich, we should allow cities to make that possible and stop holding back our economy and a service that people want. He also added, Many people want to consume cannabis legally while socializing with others, and many want to do it while drinking coffee, eating a muffin, or listening to music. And there's absolutely no good reason from an economic, health, safety, or fairness standpoint that the state should make these things illegal. One San Francisco supervisor, Rafael Mandelman, already has his own similar plans in the works for the city of San Francisco. Mandelman spoke about the tourism and economic benefits that this type of legislation could bring and gave his support to Haney's statewide proposal. Mandelman said, I think those current restrictions don't make sense and they're not helpful to the lounges. California already has a few locations with local ordinances to allow cannabis cafes if the state permits them. These include West Hollywood, Palm Springs, and Cathedral City. The director of San Francisco's Office of Cannabis, Nikesh Patel, has not stated a position on Haney's new legislation. However, Patel has said that right now, cannabis businesses need some kind of help to beat the illegal market. And Haney's bill could help those businesses alleviate some financial woes by giving them an opportunity for more profits through food and beverage sales. The bill still has a ways to go, though, as it's in the early stages, and it needs to work its way through the state assembly and eventually onto the governor's office before it could be passed into law. Haney said he hopes the governor will recognize this as an opportunity. Oklahoma residents will be able to vote for the legalization of recreational adult-use cannabis within the state at a special election on March 7th. But as with all legalization measures, they have critics to deal with. An analysis by Vicente Sederberg LLP and the Oklahoma Cannabis Industry Association projects that if passed, the adult use sales could bring the state nearly half a billion dollars in excise tax revenue over the first five years of sales. 
And Andrew Livingston, who's the director of economics and research at Vincente Sederberg, said passage of state question 820 would fuel economic activity, create jobs and generate a new permanent stream of tax revenue for the state. And it can support a lot of critical government services that would otherwise go unfunded. To cannabis advocates, this all sounds like a great idea. But on the other side, there are, of course, differing views. And as the voting date draws closer, those dissenting voices are getting louder. One anti-marijuana organization called Protect Our Kids No 820 is comprised of community, business, and law enforcement leaders and is chaired by former Governor Frank Keating. Keating has said, we simply must protect our children. And he added that voters don't realize the implications passing this measure could cause. He said one example is that it prohibits our court system from considering marijuana usage in child custody and visitation cases. Other officials in the coalition, like Rod Mosul, called the push to legalize marijuana a reckless move and added, the already out-of-control illegal marijuana grows are straining our state's utility providers and have brought organized crime and violence to rural areas. Others, such as Chip Paul, who was actually behind the state's effort to legalize medical marijuana, said Measure 820 shouldn't be passed because he feels it's poorly written. Ultimately, though, it's the voters who will decide, as they cast their votes on March 7th. And this time, the signs do look positive for the measure to get passed. Poll results from November 2022 show that 49% of registered voters say that they will vote yes on Measure 820, legalizing recreational marijuana. And only 38% of those polled said that they plan to vote no. However, there are 13% who are still undecided, so it is possible the measure could fail, but at this time, that doesn't seem likely. As the normalization of cannabis continues, more and more big names get into the game. This time, it's the prestigious Yale University who are getting involved. Specifically, they're going to study its potential effects. They're aiming to be the leader in the research of cannabis's effect on our health. Yale School of Medicine, which is one of the world's leading centers for biomedical research, advanced clinical care, and medical education, has announced they'll be creating a research center to study the acute and chronic effects of cannabis and cannabinoids on neurodevelopment and mental health. The center will initially be funded by Yale's Department of Psychiatry, along with support from the dean's office. This research center is now only possible because of Connecticut's recent legalization of adult-use cannabis, which saw sales beginning on January 10th. 2023. Minnesota is moving towards recreational legalization, with several key lawmakers and the governor agreeing that it should happen. And while they're all in agreement over that, they're not in agreement about how it should be taxed. One current bill that's been moving through six House committees and four Senate panels has a proposed 8% excise tax, which so far has been uncontested. But now, Governor Tim Waltz is requesting a much higher rate of 15% excise tax as part of his biennial budget. Governor Waltz claims that the higher excise tax is needed for generating more tax revenue, which is necessary for the support substance abuse treatment programs that legalization opponents are demanding. Democratic Representative Zach Stevenson disagrees and pointed out that the tax rate needs to be low enough to be able to allow the legal market to beat the illicit market prices. But Governor Waltz said, the evidence doesn't show that a higher excise tax would help the illicit market thrive. He seemed to want to appease legalization opponents by saying that the higher tax revenue for substance abuse programs would be more palatable for opponents, who fear that otherwise general tax fund money would end up going towards those types of programs. Governor Waltz has previously said that he thinks the legislator could have the final measure completed and passed by May, 
But there is still a significant amount of legislative work to be done, so lawmakers should have plenty of time to consider the tax rate issue. While many of Minnesota's legislators agree that legalization is something that should happen, not everyone feels the same way. In a post this past Friday on the Minnesota Republicans' webpage, Republican Senator Glenn Grunhagen said the agenda to pass cannabis legalization is extreme and added that he felt the Democrats didn't care about its dangers. He said, The sheer volume of research and data we have about the dangers of legalizing marijuana would stop most reasonable people in their tracks. Grunhagen then went on to detail his concerns about potential dangers for children, addiction rates, and mental disorders. He said, The dangers of legalizing marijuana are significant and far-reaching, from the impact on health to the potential harm to young people and society as a whole. The negative consequences are too numerous to ignore. Marijuana may have an easygoing reputation, but it's incredibly harmful. Grunhagen finished up by again using the issue as an attempt to disparage Democrats by saying, The Democrat effort to legalize it here is taking us down a dangerous and destructive path. He might be trying to sway those Republicans and independents who aren't very knowledgeable about cannabis. But the numbers show that a majority of people from both major political parties are in support of it. Polls from Gallup and others have shown over and over that the majority of all voters support legalizing marijuana for recreational use in adults and an even higher majority believe medical marijuana should be legal. And part of the reason why so many Americans are in favor is because most everyone has either seen, heard, or experienced the positive effects that cannabis can have. There are countless examples. And as for Grunhagen's comment where he said, the sheer volume of research and data we have about the dangers of legalizing marijuana would stop most reasonable people in their tracks. Well, he seems to have it backwards. The National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, or NORML, recently announced that according to a PubMed.gov keyword search, researchers have published more than 4,300 scientific research papers about cannabis in the year 2022 alone. And over the last decade or so, there have been approximately 42,500 scientific papers exploring cannabis issues. One study just published today, February 13, 2023, by the New York University Grossman School of Medicine, confirmed what many previous studies have also found, that cannabinoids can decrease seizures in several treatment-resistant forms of pediatric epilepsy. Owning a cannabis business sounds like a dream for lots of people, but the high cost to start up and not knowing where to begin can block that from happening. There are, however, some very creative ways to get funding, and one New Jersey-based group has just taken a new approach. The minority-owned business Mojo Botanica has launched a grassroots crowdfunding campaign, which gives people the opportunity to invest with them. Mojo Botanica were awarded two conditional cannabis license approvals by the state of New Jersey for cannabis cultivation and manufacturing. Their founders have already invested half a million dollars of their own money to bootstrap their business in its startup phase. But since this is an expensive industry to get a foothold in, they still need more funding, and thus the crowdfunding. This is a unique way to build a cannabis business when funds are low, and it's a great chance for individuals to be a part of something that they otherwise could not be. Mojo Botanica describes themselves as a certified minority-owned business with the mission to evangelize cannabis as a source of happiness, inspiration, and holistic wellness. The founder and CEO, Tanmoy TJ Jadhav, said, 
With collaboration and community at the core of our business, we want to create an ecosystem that works together to shape the industry, empower ownership, and drive positive change. As a minority-owned business, they also consider giving back to their community to be a priority, and they've pledged 2% of their annual revenue towards direct investments in the community through partnerships with reputed nonprofits and local municipalities. So if you want to check them out, you can go to mojobotanica.com website for more information, or if this inspires you, perhaps you can use this example as a model for building your own cannabis business. As Mojo Botanica said, although the stakes are high, the chance to make a positive impact on the community through collaboration and expanded economic opportunity makes it worth it. Now that today's news updates are done, I wanted to give a shout out to King Palm, who are the makers of some of the best wraps around made from all natural palm leaves. This isn't a paid endorsement, but King Palm did send me some products to try. And I have to say, I was really pleasantly surprised. I've tried other wraps before that I just didn't care for. Mainly taste had been an issue for me. But the King Palm wraps were fantastic. They don't have much flavor themselves, so I really only tasted the flower product, which is great. They do offer some flavor varieties as well, though, of their wraps, if you're into that. The King Palm wraps have no tobacco in them, but they still look like a blunt and hold a great deal of product. Plus, they're pre-rolled, so all you need to do is fill them for the perfect smoke. I'd have to say my favorite feature, though, is that they're slow burning. I'm a joint smoker, and I use regular rolling papers, but I always find that my paper burns far faster than my flower, which is frustrating. And it's also usually burning more on one side than the other. But the King Palm Wraps burnt perfectly even and nice and slow, which also allows all the flour to be enjoyed to its fullest. As an extra plus, King Palm Wraps are naturally organic with no artificial preservatives or chemicals, and of course environmentally sustainable since they're palm leaves and fully biodegradable. So if it sounds good, check it out, pick some up from your local smoke shop, or go online and find their products at kingpalm.com. That's all you need to know for today. Be sure to keep listening for the latest updates and follow us on themnewsnow.com. Later.